0: Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Okay Podcast. I am Brad Stair. Today is Sunday, November 8th. How's everybody doing? You doing okay? Yesterday was a big day here in the United States. The election of 2020 was called for Joe Biden. And I know that some of you may be excited about that and some of you may be a little depressed about that. That's okay. This episode was recorded the day after election night on Wednesday, November 4th. Unfortunately, here in Oklahoma, the week before the election, Oklahoma had experienced a pretty big ice storm. I actually was without power even eight days after that ice storm, so I unfortunately was unable to join the conversation that David and James had about the election. But I hope that you really enjoy the conversation. I hope that you give us some feedback on the conversation. And without further ado, here is the conversation about the election between James and David.
1: What's up, everybody? I singing the other day. Yeah?
2: Why did we start doing that?
1: I don't remember. It's been a while. <laughs> not a clue. Not a clue. Oh. Okay. Did I, it have anything know. to do with uh, Meow the Cat,
2: even though it's Possibly howling? It's, I don't know. It's not even close to the same. I like that um, Meow I'm a Cat Would be a reason, and I also don't know why we started doing Meow I'm a Cat. I don't either. Um,
1: I do need to do get in a studio the and record that with y'all, though. So we need to make that the,
2: happen uh, somehow. Meow, the cat song, with the uh, long meow solo. Meow. Something like that.
1: But just lots of them for a long time. <laughs> meow, meow, meow. So if you are uh, just finding us, uh, welcome. We're uh, everything is okay. We're a podcast about the intersection of faith, life, and questions, and um, we don't have Brad right now because there's an ice storm in Oklahoma, and that is a problem. Uh, He has not had electricity for, what, a week and a half? Uh, Too long. Too long. Uh, Too long, especially to have a uh, baby in the house, but they did get a generator, so don't freak out too much, and uh, yeah, they're somehow making it. It's yeah. it's very impressive to me. So, but we miss Brad. He's not um he's not with us right now. Although I'm sure he'll do something in the beginning or at the end on uh, today's, Or In the middle, you know what? Maybe in the middle. Spread your wings, Brad. You spread you your do wings and fly. You are wanting to do. But uh, we are recording this the day after the election, and we still do not know who the president is. The first
2: election. The first election. Um, right. You know, we still have to wait for the second election, which will be uh, by the Supreme Court. I hope not. I really hope
1: not. Ah, but maybe, maybe Dang. so. Votes are still coming in, though. Votes they are still are. coming in. I saw, I saw a video today on Twitter where there's a, um, an angry mob in Georgia right now, knocking on, I guess. There's some sort of like centralized building or, uh, yeah, it's some building that they're counting votes right now. And there's a huge mob out there, like chanting, um, something like stop the count, stop the count or something like that. And Do you know what this, uh, building's made out of, uh, there's definitely a lot of glass, but I don't think it's just a glass building. No, I, don't, I don't know how that one will hold
2: up. I mostly know straw bricks or, uh, sticks. <laughs> um, cause yeah, they're trying most to blow, my, they're trying to huff and puff is, and and blow that building most down. Most of my knowledge yeah. is based off of uh, movies from the '90s, right?
1: And, um, and, fairy, and tales. fairy tales, yeah, yeah. Which that I mean that hits right in my heart because we have we have a um, a book from the wolf's perspective. Said wolf correctly. I
2: memorized that book in Did you? sixth grade and had to tell it as a presentation.
1: Really? Yep. Knowing your memory, you may still have it in your brain somewhere.
2: I probably do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had to memorize that. Um, that was the class. One of the, that was the second year I had classes with Matt O'Mealy at Q. Central okay. Weber Elementary. Yeah. Claremore, um, Oklahoma. What up? Yeah. And, uh, I remember that was the classroom that we had to read. Little Women, or one of those, okay. something like that. But I remember in the book they kept calling each other bosom buddies, and we would giggle, like little <laughs> girls, every time they said it. It's so funny. Uh,
1: James, do you think that we're bosom buddies? I'm <laughs> okay, good with that term. I think we are. Yeah,
2: but I'm I'm excited it, right I now. I think if you introduce your adult male best friend as your bosom buddy, it's uh, let's make that a thing. Done. It's a thing now. <laughs> but we're uh we need to change our profile to three bosom buddies. Three bosom buddies. Yeah.
1: We can restart the podcast under under that name. The Bosom Buddies. The Bosom
2: Buddies. But Spinoff Podcast.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really stoked because right now we're inside your brand new studio that you you built by hand, uh yeah. piece by piece.
0: It's not and done yet.
1: It's not finished, but it's looking super cool. I think Chip and Joanna would approve, but probably give us some feedback on how to make it a little bit more homey.
2: That's true. lap Yeah. I know is one part.
1: Yeah, we do need to get some and shiplap. She
2: would definitely want to take a wall out. That's true. We got to open it up. But we, but
1: we don't want to open it up. That's I like true, how it's
2: cozy. It's so cozy right cozy now. Cozy is nice for, uh, for this size area. Especially since we're in Mississippi, and um, cozy is nice when you have an air conditioner that's going to be able to dominate this room, but not necessarily a larger area. Right. Yes, yeah, so this is
1: what we're working with, Joanna. Get off of us! Yeah, back off, Joanna! Back off right now! Joanna. Learn um, Joanna. I know. Seriously. Outside Ooh. of my shed. <laughs> You're. This is not a she shed.
0: <laughs> You're she not part
1: of
2: this. Oh. Bosom boat, bosom buddies only. <laughs> we should have a secret knock to get in here. I should just put a sign on the door that says "bosom buddies only." Bosom buddies only. No one only. would ever break in. That's right. Don't break into that weird shed. <laughs> don't you
1: dare no, don't you do that i don't know what you're gonna find in there i know and we're we're in a neighborhood right now in hattiesburg where people do like to break into things periodically so they do we need to scare them off maybe we need to get like a freaky looking yard gnome or definitely some signage that yeah. says beware of the bosoms
2: yeah you have to make sure to lock your cars i had somebody uh in my van um a few weeks back and they were not invited um, they didn't find anything, which is funny because there was plenty in there for them to find, but they didn't find it. Instead, I knew someone had gone through because I got in and it smelled like they hotboxed my van. <laughs> oh, are you sure it wasn't Lacey Mac? <laughs> so, um, so I got in and everything smelled pretty heavily of weed, which might be why they didn't find anything. Ah, uh, um, yeah. But. Yeah. Or they
1: were just looking for snacks and you just, yeah. yeah. You it's had true. zero snacks in there at the some time. Snacks. When we were, uh, when we were talking earlier, we were thinking about, all right. So we don't have Brad. How can we make this episode fun and give a little bit of a maybe some biting commentary on what's going on in the states right now, but also try to find common ground, since that's really what we're trying to focus on in these next couple episodes of how do you communicate with people. Um, who may be in a completely different side of the world, um, either physically or uh politically or religiously. Um and then we 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 got this idea and it came from you, James. It was what movie or show did you watch as a child that thinking about it today or rewatching it, you were like hmm. That's an interesting message that it's bringing to the table, or wow, that's problematic in 2020. I thought it'd be fun to kind of reflect a little bit on that, and uh, before you before you start, because I know you have a couple good ones. Um, Rocky loves Emily. Hey. Rocky loves Emily. I was thinking about Three Ninjas on the way up here, and Tom-tom. dude, what's Tum doing now? I want to know what he's doing. Let's get him on the podcast. Dude, maybe he's hanging out with JTT and they're running a Waffle House. I don't know. I don't know. That is a shout out to an episode a long time ago. So most people have no idea what I'm talking about. But they should. They remember. So look it up. But I was thinking about The Three Ninjas and how my brother and I watched that movie easily 50 times. Probably more. Like, it was such a great movie for a kid. Like, I loved it. And then I was thinking about, how has that, how did it, like, change my maybe view of how to socialize or, like, what boys and girls do? And, because we were super young when I saw it. Yeah. And I remember always being so... Deftly afraid of girls or afraid to tell anybody if I had a crush on a girl or talk to my parents about it. Like, it was just something that, like, I don't know, I felt weird or embarrassed, which is such a strange emotion to associate with that. But maybe, maybe I'm not alone in that. But I was thinking about that song where they're like mocking Rocky for having a girlfriend. Yeah and i'm wondering if it had nothing to do with like my church upbringing or the way my parents um interacted with us and it actually had everything to do with three ninjas like because i watched that movie so many times did i like secretly tuck in my heart that i should be embarrassed if i have a crush or if i have a girlfriend and i should like keep that away from my buds or keep that away from my parents because they're going to mock me and sing a song about how I love somebody. What do you think, man?
2: I think that movie cut you a lot deeper than... <laughs> I don't think, <laughs> <your dad. laughs> I don't think, I think it's possible. Like, man, I think we're going to have anybody go through like an existential crisis. Yeah. Because uh, cause of these little boys. Um, right. I I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, was- yeah. I feel like they probably were like, you know what? This is pretty safe um, because we're basically just going to um, cut and paste um, parts of other movies, like the guys breaking into the house and them setting up little traps around um, or the bicycle chase. Let's just take uh, sections from E.T. Yeah. Home Alone. And absolutely. Various and yeah. just Put them all together with little kids kicking people. And uh, Karate Kid. I mean... Right. Like,
1: you're right. That that movie did steal a lot. A whole lot. And it worked. Yeah. Because <laughs> we wore out that cassette tape. Um, or that videotape. No doubt. What are you looking up? Um. So his name is Chad Power. Okay.
2: Tum Tum. And... He uh he did a lot of work in the nineties, but then kind of bowed out. He uh, you know, I mean, once you've played Tum Tum in a trilogy uh, that every child that's has I mean, that's seen, that's your uh, that's your opus. And, yeah. Um. There's, there's nowhere else to go. In no, acting. except for down. You, you defeated acting. Yeah. Um, now as, you're doing as a Popeye's sweet, commercials as a ninja with a sweet tooth. <clears throat> So, he, uh, I guess he moved on. Uh, he played, he is a, he's a coach for a high school football team, apparently. Um, he played football for California Lutheran University. Okay. He was only active in acting for 91 through 95. Um, so... I wonder I if you, was like part of. we just need to uh, call up Camarillo High. Yeah. And be like, we need to talk to Chad Power because uh, we need a little tum tum. We do need a little tum tum. We need him on the we podcast. We need tum tum time. You know, Soon. you don't really get over being an infant. You know, they need tummy time. We need tum tum time. It's uh, just the way it works. I love that movie. I love yeah. it. It's, so... uh, it is funny looking back on. Um, on all these different movies and realizing through the silly nonsense that was 90s movies, like, what's actually going on, like, uh, for, um, Mighty Ducks. Amazing franchise. It was the best, right? It was talking about poor kids who don't have opportunities in life because they don't have enough money, um, and basically are off unsupervised all the time because their parents are all having to work right. to try to make ends meet and can't afford any hockey equipment. And so someone gets a DUI and community service is go be with children, which is insane. as <laughs> a whole premise. Um, but he apparently um, leaves his high-paying lawyer job to then be a, a peewee hockey coach that won one tournament and so of course the next year they just want to I mean didn't they go to the Olympics tell me this apart from the Mighty Ducks trilogies okay name any champion pee wee football t- football uh, or sorry pee wee hockey team I'm, any state i can't so why is it <laughs> that apparently the whole country <laughs> <laughs> knew about this group even into the world cuz iceland already knew about them and was right. uh, pretty intense in the second movie um but the whole thing is just super weird. They're not good at hockey. Um I'm gonna
1: have to go back and watch it's, that. It's interesting. Like you're saying, like the the actors
2: didn't even try it seems like No so uh let's say Mighty Ducks 2. The people that they bring in I don't know how familiar you are with these movies. <laughs> I'm not but they add a um a guy who's a speed skater. Um and is dominant, except he can't stop. That's right. For I the Olympic that guy, team. Yeah. They have another guy, who's just an ice-skating cowboy, who likes to show off, and loses the puck quite a few times, because he likes to dance around with it. Then you have um, Figure Skater, because why not? I mean, apparently none of the kids from the absolutely dominant team that the Ducks... Managed to barely beat in the first movie, right? Were good enough <laughs> to make the Olympic <laughs> <These> people team. People <laughs> that were outstanding, right? Instead, they had to get a figure skater, um, and then the uh, the bash brother who uh, like was just supposed to be big for his age, um, but then ended up being in rent and newsies. Shout out to Dean Portman, that guy was uh, awesome. Dude, and you just also was in those. I love that um,
1: you just dropped the name Dean Portman. Without hesitation, like
2: well, Dean Portman was his Mighty Ducks name. Um, just like uh, no matter what other roles um, Charlie has, he's always Charlie. Um, mm. Mighty Ducks was a uh, pivotal for yeah. all of these people. Not even, Dawson Creek. No. Yeah. No. Of course not. Um, which you know, even heavyweights. Remember that movie? Yes. That kid was in With the first Ben one. Stiller. Yeah. Yeah. The main kid, and that was one of the in the only the first season. He wasn't good enough to make the Olympic team. Um, I know too much about Mighty Ducks, but you do. We um, have to shift. <laughs> yeah. I'm just. Kidding. I could talk about Mighty Ducks for a long time, but it, the whole thing is basically weird premise. It is a weird premise, but it's also a
1: very hopeful story, though that that randomly, if you're in a cinema universe, you can be swept up by this ex lawyer and. Yeah. Who's not a good coach. Who's not a good coach. He's going to abandon you as soon as possible. You're going to learn <laughs> that it's it's possible to dream. It's possible to have other people buy hockey equipment for as you. As long as
2: you uh, make a point to never change. Even as you grow up, never accept that there's another coach. Never accept that you're playing for a team that isn't the Ducks. You have to take it over and still shift the entire name of it to the Ducks for the school. Yeah. And it's super weird and pouty and all of that. It's weird. Alright. So the ducks, there you go. <laughs> Mighty ducks talk. Um <clears throat> But then uh Ace Ventura was another one oh that I thought of out of nowhere. The we other did day. we did talk about this earlier. <laughs> and as soon as uh as soon as that movie came up, like I remembered so much from it. Um and was asking my wife if she remembered the end of it, where um, the big reveal is that the um, like beautiful female cop detective lady who uh, you know uses her sexuality as power and kisses everybody and does all these things. Right. Um, that she's actually um, the former kicker for the Miami Dolphins and has transitioned, um, and they show this by stripping her down to her underwear and turning her around and showing that she's got a penis strapped to her. Right. Like, strapped to her legs so it's not visible through her dress. And all of the police that are there start throwing up. Because apparently she's kissed all of them. And they are, there's like, just a whole montage of them being sick and throwing up. And when Ace Ventura realized that she was trans, he took a plunger from next to a toilet and plunged his own face and they were all completely appalled and willing to do very disgusting things to to, uh, to get rid of the fact that they kissed somebody right um,
1: which is definitely a testament to the time when that movie was made it is
2: no doubt Um. yeah I mean, it's something that uh, they talk about in the uh, wonderful podcast that I would recommend, uh, Fake Doctors, Real Friends, um, where they address the fact that in Scrubs, oh, they yeah. do blackface right. um, a decent amount of times, and how um, people will send them pictures of them doing blackface for Halloween as Turk and JD. They're like, no. Don't do that. <laughs> you can't, don't do this. You do, this. do yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that, you know, things that weren't that long ago that we just saw as acceptable.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this before, things. but
2: uh, all of us used to say
1: that's gay, like constantly. Right. Like, we use that word all the time.
2: Right.
1: Um, and then we learned that, wait a second, maybe that's not a word that we should use as a derogatory term. Right. And then. With new information, we actively shifted our language um, in order to be just considerate, right? I think that's a good transition into, um, I guess, kind of the overarching theme of this section of episodes, which is, can we find middle ground with people who think and see the world differently than us? and i wonder if taking that extra effort to like humble yourself even if you think and i assure you you do that you're right in a situation be a good listener be considerate um i wonder how that would shift um conversations you know
2: i don't know i how can we be beneficial versus just trying to be right
1: yeah and it is I mean, you're listening to two guys that like to be right. Um, we are we are good at arguing with each other, and um, James is a little bit more skilled at it than I am. But uh, yeah, it's it is something that, depending on who you are, I mean, I'm reading a book right now that's talking about the the big shifts between millennials and um, iGen. Or Gen Z, whatever they call them, and how um, it's it can be difficult for them um, to really step out of a binary or polarized uh, worldview. And there's a lot of examples nationally right now um, with uh, cancel culture, for example, with safe spaces on on college campuses where like there is a almost a need for um, this generation to be kind of protected by the institution or protected by people around them, which seems to be a little bit different. And I wonder, different than than our generation, right, In the generation before them. Um, I do wonder how much of that is linked to... Like, maybe a, um, not a fear, but a lack of skill to go into the gray when it comes to conversation. To go, to try to find that middle ground, or try to find the nuance. And that that is something that um, seems like is is a learned skill. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean...
2: I, I was just thinking how um so much of of our childhood you remember the um the shirts and stickers and everything the no pain no gain oh yeah it was so big in the nineties and, and that kind of stuff like that kind of stuff was big um in our generation and I feel like ours was kind of the last generation that um like I was talking to a friend earlier today, who's in, you know a generation older than us, um, and we we're talking about things that happened um, with how aggressive coaches were and stuff. Oh yeah, when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. And um,
1: is that shifting?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I remember um, in a football practice, um, Brady who played Jesus at mm-hmm. church. Um, he went to a football practice, and um, the man was a veterinarian for like large animals because he could like, you know, he was a big guy. Yeah, strong. He, dude. he could handle himself, <clears throat> but was also like the sweetest, gentlest guy. Apparently, until you get him on a football field, because <laughs> he was he was with the linebackers, and they were he was they were saying how you need to like lead with your head and tackle and all this stuff. And so he just got in there, they ran a play and he laid somebody (laughs) out without pads or anything. He just went for it. Um, And, you know, just so many things where adults were like, I'm tougher than you and I'll show you anytime you want. was kind of a typical interaction with adult males um, when we were younger. And now um, they don't do kickoffs or punts or anything until you're in high school in Mississippi.
1: Because of the in danger football. associated with yeah, it. it's too dangerous. The... Yeah.
2: And, <clears throat> I mean, I remember coaches telling us for wrestling, if it doesn't hurt, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So learn how to hurt people. <laughs> like, that yeah. kind of thing. It was just, it was so different. Um, and so I feel like so much of, even for our generation, was very... Um, heavy-handed and stuff. And mm-hmm. so in saying things like, well, that's gay. Well, if you're offended, get over it. You're supposed to be tough. Yeah. That's that's what we valued more than anything else was not being able to have our feelings hurt and that sort of thing. We were like the tail end of that. So things were starting right. to shift some for us where then it was like, oh, well, maybe, maybe we shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. And I feel like the pendulum swung too far the other way. Yeah, I agree. And we were kind of that generation where it started to swing, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And so um, we got some of the extreme toughnesses, everything into the swing of like when we were getting into college, there was so much more of the like, hey, maybe think about that a little more. Right. Um so I think we have a bit of a benefit of that. It's not anything we did. It's just right chronologically we were in a good place, yeah. I guess. Um, it's, uh, I call it luck. Yeah, but- so so I feel like we have a responsibility being in that position to talk to both sides of that idea um, right. and yeah. figure out how to navigate that.
1: Yeah, I think... I mean, there's definitely nuance in that, and we see a lot of this. You know, over your mic just dropped. <laughs> there My headphones right? went out. Oh, they did. Yeah, I can't, oh. can't hear us through it. All right, Brad, you're welcome. Cut this.
2: Can you hear fine?
1: Check, 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 check. Yeah. I wonder if the splitter is starting to go out.
2: That's weird. Okay. It's back now. Check, check.
1: Yeah, it is. All right. That's weird. Sorry, Brad. And cut us back in. So I think, like, you talked about the pendulum swing. I mean, that is is a, uh, I think, from a sociology standpoint... No question, we see we see it shift, right? Like politically, right now, we are seeing um, the results of what I would deem a very angry constituency that thinks that they are being stripped of their power and um, trampled on by what they would deem a a you know extreme left socialist type emergence or whatever um, in the political landscape and they feel threatened and so they're gonna do anything they can right. to hold on to power. And I think when we look at when we look at that sort of change even with parenting um, or coaching, like what we're seeing is like new ideas are being presented. Um, old ideas are being challenged and this happens with every generation I'm sure of it um that with this growth with this change um some people are 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 deemed the winners in that and some people are deemed the losers and and the folks that feel the most threatened from a you know tribal sense are are gonna are gonna fight back are gonna fight when they feel like they're losing uh their spot in society um yeah, I mean, when we look at, I mean, like we said, this is the day after the election. Still, they still have not, um, you know, named a president. So okay. we're seeing both sides react to that differently, um, so which is interesting.
2: So now we get into what we were planning on talking about, but we've both been avoiding a little bit. Yeah, we election. have.
1: Um, so <laughs> you said election, but I heard reproduction. Yeah. I'm like, we've been trying to avoid the birds and bees conversation, but we're here now. Yes, and so, still, uh, if you have kids in the car, you may want,
2: yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I'm just disappointed with this election. Um, and I get um with with a lot of the ways that people know I believe and that sort of thing, um, I get it's easy to make the assumption and a lot of times I guess it would be accurate that um I'm disappointed because Donald Trump is close to winning. Mm-hmm. Um but um I'm disappointed in both sides Mm -hmm. because I feel like um, both sides have become the caricature that the other side accuses them of being. Um, And it's painful that it's this close because um, I feel like when it's this close both sides feel like well we have you know 70, close to 70 million or just over 70 million people who agree with us so let's not change anything you know like um, if it was a blowout one way or the other people would need to take a very self-reflective look Yeah, You know, like, if the Democrats have been blown out, you'd have to be like, what are we doing? Right. Like, what do we need to redo to actually, apparently, be able to communicate (laughs) with the country? Um, And same for Republicans, but it's close. So everybody just gets to stay where they are. Right. And so now, I feel like, no matter who wins we're still going to be where we were the last 4 years because even if Biden wins and he um you know tries to do things but won't be able to because Republicans are going to hold the Senate and so this is going to be a placeholder for years we're still just going to be so divided i feel like this election is is, has been done in a way and the results are showing that no one's going to grow from it. And I get I might be pessimistic right now, but that's yeah. that's my fear. That's what you're that feeling. Yeah. No one's going to learn from it <clears throat> because I feel like it's everybody's an expert at pointing out the flaws in the other party. But how many people actually do real examinations of their own party and say who are we not actually reaching what are we doing poorly yeah how can we be better and how can we be neither side build, seems to be doing you know, that bridge builders
1: like how do we build bridges um especially after such a you know divisive uh, election and year for that matter yeah um yeah, I was I told you earlier about uh this guy Sam Harris who has the the Waking Up podcast and he he had posted an episode um I guess the day before the election and it was he usually interviews somebody on yeah. these podcasts and he's a like a neuroscientist and philosopher and atheist and um really deep thinker. And he was kind of reflecting on the last several years of the Trump presidency and how he couldn't figure out why Trump was being so successful. Like he had, you know, read the articles of, of and talked to he'd had, had guests on that were like pro Trump, that were Republicans, and um what he was asking is like, tell me what what is the appeal like what is the appeal and their answers weren't really kind of lining up with them like one of them was like he's just he's the greatest salesman period and like he is so good at persuading people like he is just he's a master of of communicating to uh, you know a specific set of the population and uh, Sam was like that just didn't work for me because, I mean, there, there are a, clearly a list of things that um, I personally value in people, and, like, he doesn't check any of them, right? So, like, right. he could see through this sort of, like, con artist type of whatever rhetoric as he saw it. Um. Anyway, fast forward, he talks, he, he's like, I finally realized what it is. Um. Like, I finally mm-hmm. realized... <laughs> that the thing the thing that people latch on with, with Donald Trump is that he is not afraid um, to show his flaws to show his like fragility in a sense. Now that was a really interesting perspective because he was like, if you are you know uh, white, male, religious, um, you know, certain socioeconomic status, um, then you feel like the other party is, like, making you pay for everything, um, making you pay for the sins of not only yourself, but of your fathers, for, like, the atrocities of the slave trade, for, um, you know, caring about Confederate leaders, you know, like there's this whole huge group of Americans that look at Trump and see Trump as the true, like the true opposite of where the rest of the country is going um, when it comes to, you know, progressive changes um, to equal rights, um, which for people in power doesn't feel equal at all, you know, (laughs) and, uh, like it's somebody, he made, he made the comparison that like Trump is the priest or the preacher that is completely and utterly, um, like transparent about his flaws in the sense that Trump does not try to hide who he is it seems like when you look at what he does and the way that he speaks and so sam was saying that like trump cannot cannot judge you without looking like a total fraud he's not the person that's looking at you and thinking well i'm smarter than you like you have nothing to bring to the table like when he connects with his constituents they see someone who is as flawed as they are um, and from a from a leader standpoint like that is that's a fresh take like that's a fresh thing to see in American politics is someone who isn't afraid um, to show you who they are and isn't even trying to change who they are mm-hmm. um, and apparently like that sort of I hate to use this word, because it's not, because Trump is clearly a liar, but that authenticity <clears throat> from the viewpoint of, of people that are supporting him, of him being like, I'm not going to take any crap, this is who I am, I'm not trying to change that, this is what I want to accomplish, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to piss off this other group the whole time doing it, is like very, very attractive to a group or subset of, of people that voted for him and i was thinking you today reference um john wayne yeah. and john wayne's legacy right and how you're reading a book right now or just finished a book that kind of reference this like maverick this hyper masculine this um sexually explicit type of, of male that goes and gets what he wants
2: when he right. wants it. I mean, that that's for sure part of it. Um, it as it talks about John Wayne, uh, the book is Jesus and John Wayne. Great book. Um, I would recommend it. Um, and it talks through um, how, how America has um, fallen in love with the idea and idolized and, been willing to sacrifice everything that um, used to be so dear. Like the idea of morality being super high on things and certain certain things they wouldn't cross you're willing to when your view of masculinity is so important. And Donald Trump was the manifestation of what masculinity ended up being defined by, and it walks through um, a lot of how that came to be, um, and and I was just thinking about how how difficult it is that um, there's a lot of books on and books and podcasts I've listened to a lot of things on. Um, Should Christians vote for Donald Trump? Should they not vote for Donald Trump? Debates. um, How can Christians um, sacrifice all these things and vote for Donald Trump? All of that sort of thing. Um, I think a better question is, um, why, why can the other side not appeal? Because I feel like there's been a lack of, of questioning that. There's been a lot of um, accusing the other side of being bad Christians or whatever. Instead of saying, what are we doing wrong that someone like Donald Trump would appeal? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like we've lost the ability um, to look across the aisle and look at people we disagree with and say, what can we be doing better? We want to destroy the other side so we look better instead of us being better so we look better than the other side. Yeah, I mean,
1: perfect example is the easiest way to to get likes on social media right now is to bash either Donald Trump or... Nancy Pelosi you know depending on your right whatever political perspective and like trash them like you will not get a faster reaction from your little cone of influence because let's be real you are following you're probably following people or, or having people in your social circles that that affirm what you're what you're saying or what you're doing um, like it's the the classic like echo chamber effect that happens, uh, so often for so many people when it, including myself, like I have to fight it on Twitter. Um, where you're like, you know, I'm not, i not, haven't had a great day, but so-and-so just did something really stupid. Let me make some like funny quip and get some likes, you know? Right. Instead of from a Christian perspective, it would be, um, like, how do I reach out to this other tribe, to this other side, and try to find that middle ground that's absolutely there? I mean, I can think of a uh, countless number of my fr- like friends, family, that um, voted opposite of me in this presidential election. Right. Does that mean that I don't respect those people, or I think that there- something's wrong with them, or that they that they're completely uh, just misguided um and the answer is is no right. I think I think what's really going on for me is that it's really hard for me to empathize with their position. It just is you know um and that I think that's I think that's that shines more on on me than it does them necessarily I mean we were talking the other day just about how like it's sometimes it's hard for me to to get on Facebook because I'll yeah like we just talked about it's about seeing another side of someone that you care for that you respect that doesn't line up with the way you see your values right because they're supporting so and so or they're advocating for this and you're like whoa 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 that does not line up with the Jesus that I have in my head, for example, right. And maybe we're asking the wrong questions, like he said.
2: I mean, I just wish. Um, so something that that I've seen quite a few times in in good old Hattiesburg, Mississippi, that has been so encouraging to me every time is um, when somebody's car breaks down in the middle of the road. Not that part, because that's horrible, and everybody hates that. that's always a bummer. But everybody hates that. Like, that's the worst when you're stuck like that. Right. I can't tell you how many times in Hattiesburg I've seen somebody's car stop in, like, one of the few hills that we have in Hattiesburg. Yeah. And people pull over and pull into parking lots from all different socioeconomic situations, like, different cars that you can tell. They're not in the same standing, you know, and different races, and sometimes different language. Because I've had people who are Hispanic who know English at all, but we we understand. We need to make this be not right here. Yeah, (laughs) let's get it. We got to move it. We got to move fast. Um, And I wish it was something that politically we could rally around a common good to do. Yeah, more than the fact that we so commonly focus on. What's our common enemy? because even even when um, we see something is like, well, this is the good thing we need to do. We need to if you're democratic, a Democrat, we need to help people with the border. So Republicans are terrible. Look at the horrible things they're doing. Great. Right. Well, why don't you try to help instead of <laughs> just getting mad at other people for what they're doing? Yeah, um if you are, um, anti-abortion on the Republican side. Instead of saying well look at all those baby killers how much um, time or money or whatever are you giving towards people who are in crisis pregnancies? Who are at risk for committing abortions? Right. Like these are the things that you're saying we need to do good in these areas so why are we deciding who's the enemy in it? Instead yeah. of just saying how can we how can we be better? How can we help this? Um, and sadly, like I was saying before, I feel like with this you know, stalemate that we're in, in the country, there's going to be so many reasons for all of us to just point the fingers at everybody else instead of saying, how can we be better and how can we as a country, as a people, as whatever categories you want to say, how can we be better? Mm-hmm. And how can we make the people around us better? Instead of saying, how can we beat the other side? Right. Yeah. I mean, to kind
1: of, I guess, come to a close on this, on this topic, at least for today, more mighty ducks talk. Yeah. More mighty ducks talk. Damn. I love that knuckle puck.
2: But um, so in why so inefficient? It's so fun. You have to take a while and set it up. It's terrible. <laughs> the the uh, I'm, I'm, don't get me started again. <laughs> yeah, Russ Tyler, I'm talking to you.
1: Yeah, I'm listening to this book by uh, this author, uh, Jonathan Hate, and um, it's not H A T E, but uh, no hate, only snoop boops. No hate, only snoop boops. I can't say that make I have to think so hard to not mispronounce that word the um story of my life no he was talking about we saw the shift um, in the United States uh, multiple times in history but recently when there was a loss of a common enemy which is mm-hmm. really interesting because when there's not a clear objective, or enemy or issue to attack as a country right then you start to eat each other <laughs> you know you start right. to like eat your own or try to find an enemy within uh the borders right and so like i mean you think about warfare like war shifted so dramatically in the last shoot 30 years give right. or take um we're not we're not getting uh drafted for example to go and fight in some war right which, we don't
2: need boots on the ground as near as much
1: right right um i mean when uh, jonathan talks about when the ussr collapsed in the 80s like that was that was our common enemy like right. we were every everyone regardless of your political affiliation like this was the objective Mm-hmm. And when that was dismantled, we saw a, a, a real shift in the political climate, um, and it started getting way more nitpicky on these different issues. And those issues just got continued continued to be pushed to uh, to the extremes in, in both of the parties, which just reinforced this bipartisan right. system that we have. Um, and so, what we need. Is like an Independence Day with Will Smith scenario. Like that's what we need. Some sort of like existential threat. Which you would think the the coronavirus would have been that, but clearly it wasn't. Um, some sort of like global existential threat for for these countries, for these political parties to come together to cross the aisle and defeat.
2: The aliens? Or, or like, insert so, whatever whatever issue it is. So here's my, my thought process on kind of what you're talking about. Um. As war shifted. During. World War II. Our soldiers saw more horrific things. Than most people can imagine. Right. Um. But then there was the transition from war to home, where you were on ships, you got to decompress with people who had gone through it, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, and so there was a transition from war to not war, um, and it wasn't like six hours, right? Yeah, you don't. And now you jump on a plane, and later the same day. You could have just you know, been fighting somebody and watched your friends get blown up and then be laying in your bed next to your wife. Right. Um, and we've seen how much trauma happens from not being able to come down and not having a way um, to have that happen. Um, and I feel like the tensions that happened with the Cold War with 9-11, this sort of thing, where everybody in the country was on high alert, there were enemies everywhere, you gotta be watching out for the enemies, cause they're yeah. all trying to get you. There was this perpetual threat, right? and we were all looking for the threat, and never got to come down, and we just redirected who the threats are, to where now, I mean, so many of the arguments, it feels Cold War, like, well they're communists, they're socialists, like whatever. Yeah. Like you're looking for those behind everything everything right. that that the Democrats say, Well, they're just trying to be socialists. Right. Well, or it's some sort of cabal,
1: right? Right. Like it's there's some secret enemy right. that we can't see.
2: It's the elites. And, and I feel like yeah. we've had um a resurgence of those threats like you're talking about, where there was Cold War, the nine eleven and that sort of thing that we keep up this thing where every once in a while we have a new threat yeah. that you need to look at. Anybody around you might be that person, right? And so you're always on on guard for it. And it, I feel like it manifests in our politics that we're still looking for those threats, yeah. Instead
1: of and how funny that the threat is here. It's called the coronavirus. Like, why why couldn't right. both sides come together and work
2: to defeat that? Like. It's so
1: surprising to me. It shows
2: how how laced mistrust yeah. is. That, you know, depends on who you talk to, to whether it's a real thing, to whether it was manufactured and given to us, whether it was five G that did it. Oh you know, my there's, God. Yeah. there's so many different things that are all revolving around mistrust. And I mean, can do masks work? Are they hiding the uh, antidote to this until after the election so that you get the vote you know there's so many things right like there's theories from both sides about the horrible things the other side is doing yeah and so somehow we are have gotten to a point where we are so mistrustful that our existential threats are just a tool of the other side yeah so how
1: do, how do we land this plane? I don't know. I think the plane is just going down. <laughs> it's on fire. That's what it feels <laughs> like. Where's where's the hope though? Where where's the hope? Um, like as as Christians, I think I think the hope is can we be the hands and feet, um, in this in this day and age? Can we cross uh, party lines? Can we cross? Religious lines uh, and connect with our brothers and sisters, um, both in the states, yeah. across the world, and 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 love on people. You know, um,
2: I feel like we've zoomed out too much. I feel like the hope comes in um, as people zooming in and actually having personal interactions with people right not, I read this article on Twitter about people in or in Oregon and you know Antifa that's up there right well they're not they're yeah you're right they're up there they're not going to get you in Mississippi <laughs> <laughs> let's let's instead oh, that's what you think actually man actually have interactions with people here let's care about people here and get to the point where when somebody starts to talk about people in whatever group you're in you can say even me mm. and you've loved that person well enough that they have a hard time yeah making those broad generalizations anymore because you've loved them well even though you fit into those categories. Right. I like it. Alright bye bye see you later <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah. uh, meow. So um yeah to wrap up we're uh, we're still doing this thing you know um What's happening let me look in the camera and say hello to you let me break the third wall um but hello <laughs> straight up review us on apple podcasts it's so easy it's so fast and it it, it helps people find us and um give us five star review uh, leave some comments and uh, we may even share it um also we got our patreon what up patreon. com slash everything I'm is okay
2: to record soon with my uh, brother that we sweet will be hopefully putting up on there
1: yeah um we've gotten um several of our ideas for episodes <clears throat> from our uh, patreon listeners and just from people reaching out um we would love to connect with you in our community on patreon so yeah, Check that out and um, tell one person about our podcast. Um, yeah. Share the love. So I guess with that, we'll wrap up. I'm David Meggs. I'm James Eisenhower. Everything's okay, people. What? What?
2: word to describe it, the feeling you lost and can't find it. and where's the time and place that it was last seen? See So press on through the storm. We've been pulled down before. Drew in our lungs, and there was peace in our death. There. And we're rising in full. We've set our eyes on. Cashing on shore